Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Oh, what a Monday we've got coming up for you today, right now, on this edition of Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Don't forget, Pearl River Resort is the home of the sportsbook inside the Golden Moon Casino. Learn more about them online at pearlriverresort.com. You want to be a part of the conversation, the ceasefire text line is wide open to you. 601-879-4395. We've got so much to get to in the Blitz today, but first, I'd like to welcome... As always, and say good Monday afternoon to Michael Borky and Brian Haydad. Hello, fellas. Who dat? Yes, sir. 16 to 15. That's right. The perfect football game. Oh, was it now? Oh, yeah. yeah. Loved every second of it. I do hey, love look. the screen grab of Rashid Shaheed catching the ball with two feet and a knee down in the end zone, where there's this much between his knee and out of bounds, and after a seven minute review, the call of incompletion stood on the field. Love when that happens. Just love that. Absolutely oh, love that. Just forget it. Can't birdie them all if you don't birdie the first. We That's have right. so very much to get to this afternoon. Let's start with a high-level view of everything that happened this weekend in college football with the Blitz. On Friday night, Kansas over Illinois 34-23. Jalen Daniels threw for 277 and two touchdowns in his return to the field. Luke Altmeyer had 70 yards rushing, adjusted for sack yardage. And a couple of touchdowns. He threw for 202 in a score, and he took a massive hit in the ribs on a two-point try. Appeared to be okay. Georgia rolled over Ball State, but it took a while. They were scoreless after a quarter, but UGA poured it on in the second quarter. 31 points in that 15-minute frame. They won it 45-3 over Ball State. Uh, Michigan 35-7 over UNLV. Two touchdown passes for J.J. McCarthy. Three rushing touchdowns for Blake Corum. In the game of the night, Texas handed Nick Saban his first non-conference loss since his first season at Alabama. That was to ULM. It was only his third regular season non-conference loss since taking the job at Alabama, and it snapped a 57-game non-conference winning streak for the Tide. Quinn Ewers, real good, 349 yards and three touchdowns. Jalen Milrow had two touchdown passes, but he also had two costly interceptions in that game. Kyle McCord threw for three touchdowns for Ohio State and a 35-7 win for the Buckeyes over Youngstown State. Caleb Williams, 
three more touchdown passes as Southern Cal cruised to a 56-10 win over Stanford through three games this year. The reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams, has thrown for 878 yards with 12 touchdown passes and zero interceptions. Um, Tennessee won this weekend, but that's about all. 30-13 to over Austin P. You know what I saw after that game? A lot of complaining online about the officiating in the game. Led by, guess who? Yeah, <laughs> you guessed it. Uh, Notre Dame was super impressive in a road win at NC State. Sam Hartman threw for four touchdowns in the 45-24 win. The game included an hour and 45-minute lightning delay as weather force delays up and down the East Coast on Saturday. Oregon had a world-class backdoor cover thanks to a late pick six. If you had Texas Tech plus six and a half, you're still sad. Bo Nix threw for 359 and two touchdowns. The Ducks won at 38-30 over Texas Tech. And Texas Tech might be the best 0-2 team in the country. No kidding. Whew. Overtime loss to uh, Wyoming. A double overtime loss to Wyoming. And then a heartbreaker this past weekend to uh, to Oregon. LSU crushed Grambling 72-10. to Jaden Daniels had five touchdown passes. This meant absolutely nothing. Kansas State beat Troy 42 to 13. They are off to it's a the first time they ever start. played. Well, first okay. time they ever played. I mean, there's that, you know. Maybe it meant something. Uh, the reigning Big 12 champs have looked solid. And they traveled to Como to take on Missouri this weekend, who looked awful against Middle Tennessee State. Oregon State is now 2 and 0 and soon to be without a home. Washington State is now 2-0 and soon to be without a home after a great win over Wisconsin. Jake Dickert was passionate after talking about his team deserving to be in a Power 5 league after the game. So, here's some math for you. Oregon State 2-0, Washington State 2-0, combined record 5-0. Thanks to a ruling from Judge Gary Libby in favor of Oregon State and Washington State granting a restraining order that says the Pac-12 cannot have a board meeting with the university presidents until the court rules further. Power play from Oregon State and Washington State. Uh, speaking of states, North Carolina beat Appalachian State 40-34 to in double overtime. It was the final game of a two-for-one series between the teams. Matt Brown said that App State is great. And he also said, I hope NC State or East Carolina will play them in the future because I'm done with this game. It's been a really fun series. Uh, Oklahoma beat SMU 28-11 to in, uh, in Norman. Afterward, though, all the talk was about Art Bryles being on the field after the game. Remember, he is Jeff Levy's father-in-law. Jeff Levy has since apologized for that happening after the ball game. The Colorado Coach Prime train rolls on. The Buffs smoke Nebraska in the second half. Final score, 36-14. Now, game day is headed to Boulder. The week after Big Noon kickoff was in Boulder. Sad truth, boys. Big Noon kickoff is a better pregame show than college game day. Urban Meyer is great. Not good, but great on that show. You agree? Yeah. Wouldn't I have to watch it first? You know, 
What do you do on Saturdays? What he do you do? He watches soccer. He watches soccer. <laughs> hey, uh, welcome back to the land of being a really good quarterback, Tyler Van Dyke. Miami's offense torched A&M's defense 48-23. Tyler Van Dyke, 374 yards and five, count them, five touchdown passes. With A&M, whew, it's not one thing, it's another. Vanderbilt dropped their first game this year in Winston-Salem over the weekend. Wake Forest 36, Vanderbilt 20, also a game where they had a significant weather delay. Boston College beat Holy Cross 31-28 in front of a huge crowd of Holy Cross students. See the clip from that? It was impressive from the folks at Holy Cross. Uh, Jeff Halfley perhaps avoided being the first coach fired this year. Could you that say honor. they went on a crusade? You you could you could say that it was a losing okay. effort, okay. but a crusade nonetheless. No, the, the crusades being, were kind of that way too. So yeah, the honor of being the first fired coach of the season is likely going to Mel Tucker. More on that later. Who uh, who who's Michigan Spartans? The Michigan State Spartans beat Richmond over the weekend. James Madison scored twelve points in the fourth quarter to beat in-state rival Virginia 36-35. Shout out, Kelso. Where's, nice win. Kelso, yeah. Hey, that's a cover for Virginia, though. That's right. They were the underdog. They were the, like six and a half points, yeah. Ooh, what does that say? Uh, Kentucky beat Eastern Kentucky 28-17. Say something good, Richard. Say something good. Oh, Devin Leary had four touchdown passes. There you go. I- Iowa wins the Cyhawk Trophy again. They beat Iowa State 20-13 to in Ames. Iowa has to win seven games. And averaged 25 points per game for offensive coordinator Brian Ferentz to keep his job. They are going to win seven. But through two games, they are six points off the pace to 325 for the year. We'll keep an eye on that. Northwestern. Next year, I'm going to, next year, I'm going to hit up HR to find out if we can call that game by its real name or not. I'll, I'll do it next year. Northwestern won on U.S. soil for the first time since October of 2021. UTEP scored the first points of the game, but the Wildcats <laughs> scored 38 unanswered for a 38-7 victory. Arkansas America. beat Kent State 28-6, and they kind of looked like crap doing it. Scott Satterfield and Cincinnati got a nice win, 27-21 over Pittsburgh and Pat Narduzzi. Here's guessing that Narduzzi was grumpy on Saturday night. In other news... The sky's blue and grass is green. A um, couple more. Missouri might be really bad. They won 23-19 over Middle Tennessee. Good contract extension for Eli. That was real smart. Uh, UCF beat Boise with a walk-off field goal, 18-16 on the blue turf. John Rice Plumley got hurt in that game. He is expected to be out several weeks, but his injury will not require surgery. Rice beat Houston 43-41 in double overtime. Good win for the Owls. Bad loss for Houston and Dana Holgerson. And finally, Auburn 14, Cal 10. If you stayed up for all of that game, bless your heart. Hugh Freeze reminded everybody. True sicko behavior. Attaboy. Yeah, in the press conference today, Hugh Freeze reminded uh, everybody that you know, he doesn't call the plays, and so if you're frustrated with the offense, remember that I gave it to somebody else. However, I called three plays in the game, one of which was that touchdown. Y'all remember that touchdown? I called that touchdown. 
Sports Talk Mississippi, yeah. just getting started with you. That was the Blitz. Let's talk Mississippi State's overtime win over Arizona when we come back with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So I've missed this over the weekend. Jeff on the ceasefire text line tells us that Big Nooner will be back in Boulder this Saturday as well. I don't think. I don't think that has happened before where Big Noon kickoff and game day were in the same location. By the way, the Colorado-Colorado State game is on ESPN 9 o'clock Central Time, so that'll be an 8 o'clock local time kickoff in Boulder. The scene there on Saturday was incredible. It was just great. Hmm. That, uh... It'll be interesting to see who gets what real estate in that one. All right, let's talk Mississippi State and Arizona. We built this up to be a big game. I don't know if everybody else built it up to be a big game, but we certainly did all last week and all off season. And in terms of drama, it delivered. Mississippi State gets the overtime win over Arizona. That's the good, and I think we need to focus on the good, but I do think there are questions that we've got to ask about the game and the way it unfolded and some of the decisions that were made, some of the things that Zach Arnett has since said about some of the play calling and the decisions that he made. Pretty good atmosphere. I I, I watched the entire game on my iPad uh, at the hotel in, in Syracuse on Saturday night. It was um, – I thought it It looked like a really good atmosphere. It sounded good on television. Hey, Dad. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there were definitely some empty seats in there, but the, the fans that were there that were, were excited and, and were into the game, uh, the Cowbells were, were definitely loud, and, and I think that's going to continue to build into this week with LSU. Um, you know, Coach uh, Jed Fish had a bunch of comments about this after the game. He said he mm-hmm. thought it was outstanding and, you know, wants to see that in Tucson. And uh, I, I thought there was a, there was an interesting tweet from one of the Arizona beat writers who who was just amazed that the majority of fans who came to this game don't live in Starkville. <laughs> they, 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 and I was like, yeah, this is a small town. You know, this is a, a town where the the stadium is three times bigger than the population of the town. So, but yeah, the game in and of itself, you know, if you want to take positives away, you know, five turnovers forced by the MSU defense, two picks for Jet Johnson. He was the SEC Defensive uh, Player of the Week. Another hundred-yard game uh, for Woody Marks, who really, you know, through two games has been a real workhorse for Mississippi State. Um, and then at the end of the game, in overtime, you know, when you have to have a play, they got one offensively and then defensively. You know, looked like they had maybe given it away a little bit there on the last play of the game. I, I, I was not expecting to get a walk-off review call uh, mm. for Mississippi State. I, I, I thought for sure. I was like, there's no way they'll, they'll end the game like this. But they did, and, and State got the win, and uh, they moved to 2-0, and and then they move into SEC play. And it, and it was it was the right call, by the way, on review. It, it was the right it call. Was. They got it correct. Um, Jane DeLora was 
literally, what, three, four inches short. To me, the craziest thing about that play was he, he was, he was mm-hmm. pressured. He rolls out of the pocket after backpedaling. Hey, Dad, I think when he started his sprint for the first down line, he was on the negative side of the 50-yard line. If he wasn't, he was really, really close I to think- it. Really close to being like 20 yards beyond the line of scrimmage, behind the line of scrimmage, before he starts going forward. And, and then, and yeah, it was, and then nearly it, got wasn't there. Wasn't it fourth and 15? It was fourth and 10. I was thinking there was a. Okay, so it was fourth and 10 from the 25. Mm-hmm. If he retreated 20 yards, that'd be from the 45. He had a long way yeah. to go to try and get to the 15 yard line, and he yeah. was just inches. He got short. close. Yeah, I mean, if he's if he, I don't know how tall he is. If he's six three, if he had been six five, he might have made it. Yeah, and it's not like he slid. So, I mean, he he gave everything no, he, he had to try and get. To, he gave up his body to try and did. get that first down. You know, he did. It's, what an interesting game for him too. Like, I thought he played really well at, at times. Right, he found some big throws. Uh, we talked about him scrambling last week, and he did that. Uh, Arnett had a funny quip today at the press conference. He said he only rushed for 55 yards. I guarantee if you put a GPS on him, he rushed for 250 because he just he was just all over the place. You're seeing one of the runs if you're watching on a on Sports Talk on Super Talk TV right now. But he also threw four, four interceptions, bad interceptions. I mean, like two of those were were really really bad throws right to the defender. So I don't and really know what to make of his performance. Balls also, right. Batted balls, right? Yeah, that, that were where you just right place, right time. But he had some some big plays in this game. But he obviously, you know, his four interceptions were, were huge problems for Arizona and big part of why they didn't win this game. So Jaden Delar's stat line was eight carries for forty four yards and a touchdown. There was only two yards lost in terms of sacks. So he was he was sacked one time in the game. Mississippi State just could not get to him and get him down. Although. Mm-hmm. They uh, they kept him under pressure. He was thirty two of forty six for three hundred forty two yards, longest being fifty five yards. That was the pass right before halftime that set them up. Right. For, I mean, look, who, who was it that that called him a Farvian like gunslinger? Was, was that Jason Shear last week with us? It, it may have been. I think so. And. What an apt description, but it's not, I mean, it's in the way that he plays, not just in the way yeah. that he throws. There's 13 seconds left in the half. They're supposed to be kneeling. The offensive line thinks they're kneeling. They just had the big completion after on the previous play having a big completion overturned by review. Mm-hmm. And he goes up and takes the snap like he's supposed to be taking a knee and decides to quarterback sneak it when nobody knows he's doing that. And it turns into like the world's largest rugby scrum. Mm-hmm. And and he ends up and, getting and, and, dragged into the end zone at the very end with two seconds. I don't know that they had time for another snap. I don't think they would have, they had no time they left. They wouldn't have gotten another snap off. And he, and he loses that football, but they called it that he had crossed the goal line before he lost the football. Yeah. Um, so crazy game for, uh, for him. I thought there was only one time, if you're watching on Super Talk TV, you see that play one more time where he gets the, the quarterback stand. And that was a huge score because it made it well, a yeah. one score yeah, game they, after Mississippi State if they don't score dominated there, the first half. If they don't score there, I don't know how that second half really goes. I mean, especially since, as you just mentioned, State should be up at this point, what, 24 points probably. 
know, they did they 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 don't go for the field goal on the first drive and they fumble and what a what a I mean, talk about a worst case scenario. Not only do you fumble, you don't even pin them deep because you fumble into the end zone and they get a touchback. So that went completely wrong for Mississippi State. And then you know they had a touchdown uh, called back on a holding penalty, which was one of those why are you holding kind of things. The guy's already passed him. He's passed the line of scrimmage. You didn't need to hold at that point, but they did. And they miss a field goal. It should be 24 nothing, And instead, it's 14 nothing. But you still feel like you have some momentum. And then those, those two plays happen, and it, it swings over to Arizona. Are you familiar with the term... Uh, the, I mean, no, it's not a basic. It's a basic term. Market correction, usually financial. You'll, yes. you'll hear if you're watching CNBC, you'll hear financial analysts talk about, okay, we're due for a market correction, right? Uh, we're, we're in a in a bull market, and things need to to come back to the norm. Or we're in a bear market, and things are going to trend forward back to the norm. You know, with a with a rally in the stock market. What Mississippi State has done though is a market reversal. It's not a market correction. A market correction would have been they go from throwing the ball 60 times a game to its 30, 35 pass attempts, 35 to 40 run attempts, you know, whatever. Mississippi State threw the ball 17 times mm-hmm. on Saturday night. Yeah. That's there, not that's not the correct number. That, that is were, not the correct number. There were quarters last year where Mississippi State threw it more than 17 times. And I don't have, you know, people are mad that they only threw it 17 times. I don't have an issue with the ratio of run to pass if you are dominating the game on the ground, right? If they're if you're just getting eight nine yards a pop, if you're just reeling off chunk plays mm-hmm. on, on that, I, I, you run the ball till they stop it. That's fine. But when you're not dominating that side of the ball and you then you refuse to mix it up, that's a problem. And you know, they're going to talk to Kevin Barbet after uh, practice tonight. I won't be able to make that, but I'm interested to hear what he has to say about about his game plan because it, it wasn't a, it was not a very good one in in my opinion. And then you you have on top of that, you know, Zach Arnett who told us like I'm not going to be involved in the offense. He says you know he told us Saturday night after the the fumble, State's given up an 18 play drive. State, but they force a fumble to get the ball back. He tells Barbet, hey, let's slow it down. Let's be conservative here. And that ends up backfiring on Mississippi State. So Arnett did get involved a little bit with the offense. He said today, he's like, that was a mistake. I shouldn't have done it. So hopefully he'll learn from that from that mistake. But that's a very surprising uh, admission but by Zach Arnett. And, and Offensively, words, State was just not good Saturday hey, night. Hey, Dad, his words were, we should have been super aggressive. I'm not yeah. sure that I agree with that either. Again, that feels like an overcorrection. It's like, just go run your offense. Well, I would tell you is after a turnover, I I am a believer in take a big shot, step on the try to try to not get try to get a knockout blow blow right there. You, you got them reeling, take it, and they didn't do that. Numbers to back up what you were saying just a second ago on the ground, Mississippi State averaged three point seven yards per carry. Meanwhile, and this is crazy compared to where it's been the last few years, Will Rogers averaged twelve and a half yards per completion, and he mm-hmm. averaged. Nine and a half yards per attempt. Those numbers were down in the five to seven range a year ago. Different type passing game. Sports Talk Mississippi. We're back with you. We'll talk about Ole Miss right after this. More Sports Talk Mississippi. It's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. 
We may have to be creative later to openly discuss the Mel Tucker situation at uh, Michigan State because I understand that there are some little ears that are floating around, but what a massive story in college football, and Mel Tucker has responded to the allegations of Brenda Tracy uh, through his attorney. He is currently suspended without pay pending a hearing with the Title IX board at, uh, at Michigan State. What a mess that they are dealing with once again at Michigan State. We'll get into that, I think, later this afternoon, if not today, tomorrow, if not tomorrow sometime. I, I don't know. But right now, let's talk a little bit about the Ole Miss game against Tulane in New Orleans over the weekend. Ole Miss wins the game, and I think most people would agree that the final score is not indicative of how close that game was for a majority of the game. Rebels win it 37-20, to uh, another game where Quinshawn Judkins is not heavily involved, at least in terms of rushing numbers. He did have 18 carries in the game, but Tulane kind of sold out to try and stop the run, and I think that's something that Ole Miss teams are going to continue to see, which is going to continue to highlight the importance of Jackson Dart throwing the football, which he did pretty well on uh, on Saturday, and also the importance of the wide receivers contributing. And the most important, or at least the most productive wide receiver so far this year, Trey Harris played only three snaps on Saturday. They were a productive three snaps. He had two catches in those three snaps for 55 yards and a touchdown, including 20 yards after a catch getting into the end zone. So if you're counting at home, he has played five quarters this year with five receiving touchdowns. I talked to somebody as I was coming home from the airport yesterday who said, arguably the most productive start to a career for a wide receiver in Ole Miss football history. And then the possibility even, of not getting to capitalize on that for, for at least a few weeks. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, somebody texted me a little while ago and said, hey, do you have any information about Trey Harris and his availability? I was like, I, I know nothing. Now, I've read online everything from several weeks to possibly Saturday. So who knows? We'll see. And it's not like Ole Miss is going to be helpful with uh, with injury informa- information. Lane Kiffin was adamant about that even after the game on uh, on Saturday. So, Borky, you were in New Orleans. You watched it closely. You did the uh, Rebel Report podcast with some immediate reaction after yeah. the game was over. Uh, if you missed that and you want to hear what Borky had to think uh, say about the game, you can get it wherever you get your podcasts and hear it at supertalk.fm. Uh, so Ole Miss gets the win. I think one of the biggest storylines is it, at least in the first half, it was a different story in the second half. But in the first half, Tulane dominated the line of scrimmage. They did. And that that is and and look, you were right. There were times where, where Ole Miss was trying to run against eight, nine, ten man boxes sometimes. I mean, run Tulane sold out to to stop the run and they did so successfully, but even uh, with the numbers disadvantage, uh, Jackson Dart was under pressure it felt like every single drop back. The offensive line for Ole Miss played an atrocious game in New Orleans. They were awful, and they were saved by their defense, which is weird to say, but they were. Uh, they were saved by their defense, and they were saved by their quarterback being, uh, for some reason, anytime 
a football fan sees their team struggling, they think the answer is put in the backup quarterback. It is a phenomenon that absolutely blows my mind. There were people calling for Jameis Winston at the Saints game yesterday sitting around us. It's a common thing among sports fans everywhere. Jackson Dart is why you had a 20-point second half for your offense. He is why you won that game. Taking him out of that game would have been a stupid decision from Lane Kiffin, and he didn't make it because he's not stupid. Because offensive line was was horrible, and his elusiveness in the pocket led to not just the one game-saving play, but that's what kept Ole Miss in the game while Pete Golding's defense were, were getting stops to their credit. But offensive line, a disaster. Um, are you an optimist or a pessimist? An optimist would say, you got great quarterback play. Jackson Dart has solidified his status as the leader of that team. He knows the offense well. He played well. The numbers don't say he played well, but when you watch the game, he played really well considering the circumstances. And defensively, they got a bunch of stops, especially in the second half, controlled the line of scrimmage. Nobody was open. So even if Michael Pratt played, at least in the second half of that game, he didn't have very many open wide receivers. Ole Miss played well defensively. But a pessimist would say, Harris got hurt, and the way they looked up front on the offensive line is not going to lead to a bunch of wins if that doesn't improve in pretty short order. Yeah, and, and the pushback, you and I were talking about this this morning, that um, that I might give to that is, well, welcome to the SEC. You show me somebody that's looked great for two weeks. And, and that's kind of the theme of, of these two teams, right? You can't right? do it. No, and, and we talked about State a second ago. We'll keep talking about these games as the day goes on. But isn't that kind of what we learned this weekend? That winning is hard and you should enjoy it every time it happens? Because Mississippi State fans are a little worried about the way the offense looked. And frankly, they should be. There was no explosiveness. And you're not beating LSU in six days or five days if you're not a little bit more explosive offensively. Fair concern. Ole Miss fans are worried about the offensive line because it was awful. Fair concern. And then the Harris injury as well on top of that. Tell me one team not named Georgia, and even their fans are worried today about their offense right now also. But among the other 11 teams in the SEC, tell me that there's one without a glaring, ooh, that is really bad on their team. Yeah. Alabama can't get after the quarterback. They can't rush the passer. And apparently, I mean, can't cover on the back end of the defense. Can't cover. So we'll, let's get to more of that. But let, let's let's finish up on this Ole Miss Tulane game. So on the defensive side, Trey Washington finishes the game with, with eight tackles. That leads the way. He he bit hard on a on a stop and go route from a wide receiver that it ended up being a touchdown. But otherwise, played a pretty good game. Kari Coleman was big, seven tackles and a sack. Isaac Uklu had a sack in the game. He had six tackles. Uku, Pegues, uh, Ivy. Jared Ivy had a sack, also had a scoop and score for a touchdown. Yeah, they they called that a uh, a thick six at the press conference today. That, that's what that's what the team called huh. it. A thick six. <laughs> because a thick man uh, picked up the ball and went and not, scored. Uh, okay. I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I, I got you. Um, DeAndre Prince played a really good game. He was what you were hoping going into the season he would be in the second half. Uh, just lockdown. They, they tested him a couple of times, and uh, again, it, receiver was so covered, no quarterback was completing a pass on DeAndre Prince in the second half with how he covered. And, and I feel like there are a lot of people, and, you know, fair, 
have kind of wondered out loud, well, how would this game have turned out if Michael Pratt had played? And I don't know the answer to that. I, I really don't. There's part of me that goes, well, I mean, Tulane's probably even a little more effective on offense than they were. But the other part of that is clearly he wasn't 100%, so if he had forced himself into that game, would he have been less mobile than Kai Horton was? Almost got four sacks of Kai Horton in the game? I I, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I mean, okay, if you want to go, like, completely hypothetical, if a 100% healthy Michael Pratt plays, is the outcome different? Maybe. It's certainly Maybe. possible. Uh, I, but, I don't know. But, but as it stands right now, Ole Miss has the single best win of any team in the SEC through two weeks. It's, now, it's not a Power 5 win, but it's a road top 25 win. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, the SEC's done a lot of losing against Power 5 teams lately. Shout out Mississippi State getting a Power yeah. 5 win. Uh, I mean, Absolutely. There's, there's not many, but... Yeah, and in the second half, uh, again, I keep going back to the second half because that's they, they really got better as the game went on, made some adjustments, figured out the backup, whatever, but they controlled the line of scrimmage on defense, and receivers were covered. And so I, I don't know how effective, and maybe Pratt would have been the, the, the difference, but when Ole Miss was shutting down the run and nobody was open, what can a quarterback do? You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, that so, Ole Miss can, dominated defensively in the second half of that game. They did. So Ole Miss was down 17-10 at the half, and they outscored slash outplayed Tulane in the second half to the tune of 27-3. And their that's, de- that's dominance. And their defense even outscored Tulane because of the oh, yeah. fa- the, the forced fumble return for a touchdown. So. Hey, Dad, only a minute left. Were you able to watch most of this game because of State's later start? I was. What did you think? I was. And uh, I thought Ole Miss, you know, they showed a lot of resilience the way they came back in this game. You know, being on the road, we talked about that on Friday, about how if you don't get off to a fast start in these road games, sometimes it can go bad. Ole Miss came back. Uh, they got the win. I thought Dart was very impressive. But after two games, my biggest question about this team is, is where is Quinshawn Junkins? Where are the big numbers? He hasn't put them up yet, so we'll see how that that pans out for him. He was incapable of running. No running back. Alvin Kamara would not have had a good day on Saturday with what Ole Miss was up front. Then that's not good. In the first game, it's easily explainable. It's less explainable this week unless you just say, Okay, if the defense absolutely sells out to do nothing but stop the run, you have to take advantage of other things. You have to. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Talk Mississippi. Here we we go. go. Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi State and Arizona talked a little about Tulane and Ole Miss. Let's talk a little about Saturday night in Tallahassee. It was a tough one for the Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles. You knew going into this game that Southern Miss had its hands full, right? I mean, we, we got our first glimpse. We, we knew what we thought about Florida State going into the year. We got our first glimpse of what Florida State 
is this season against LSU on Sunday night of last week, the Sunday night before Labor Day. And so based on what we had seen, you knew that Southern Miss had a tall task in front of them. Uh, you had nearly 75,000 fans with, um, what, an 8 o'clock local time kickoff or an 8.30 local time kickoff, and it was tough for the Golden Eagles. Yeah, you just got to just wear that one and move on and play Tulane and yeah. get back on the tracks. What what can you take away from a game like that? Nothing. Nothing. Florida State's a playoff contender. You're just you're trying to compete in the Sun Belt. Those are just dramatically different things. And a game looking the way it looked is okay. It just you're not supposed to compete with Florida State. I know that bothers some people. With the way things are set up right now, and the state of the two programs, and where Southern Miss is, is going, all that competing in Tallahassee is not a reasonable expectation. Think about it this way, right? If it had been Louisiana Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns, University of Louisiana, who had gone to Tallahassee and had lost 66-13 to 13 on Saturday night, one, we wouldn't be talking about it. Because it would just be like, eh, just another win. And two, you wouldn't be even remotely surprised by the result of the game. No, just like, kind of scroll, move on. Okay. I mean, all three of us want Southern Miss to do well, want to see Will Hall do well. Have spent a lot of time previewing this team getting into the season. So it's a bummer to see it, but I don't think it should be a surprise either. And and the discrepancy in numbers in this game. Southern Miss ran it 28 and- times for 104 yards, threw it 34 times for 154. And the other thing to consider is maybe there are three or four college teams in the country that could go to Tallahassee, and I would say, yeah, I expect them to win. Like, if Georgia goes to Tallahassee, okay, I expect Georgia to win. But State, Ole Miss, no, don't expect them to win in Tallahassee. So there, there's no shame in any of that. You know, so there, it was, this game was kind of like the first game. It's just a different result, but it was a game that you, the outcome was sort of predetermined. Get past it. Stay healthy. Now you move to a game that matters this weekend. It absolutely does. They've got Tulane coming to the rock this Saturday, a team that they beat a year ago. There is one number that I think is concerning, and that's the rushing yards for Florida State. Now, that's a really good, veteran, big, nasty offensive line for the Seminoles. But they carried it 37 times for 306 yards. That's an average of 8.3 yards per carry. Also threw it for 248 yards. Jordan Travis was, he was, from a completion standpoint, wasn't great. He was only 15 to 29. 175 yards, a couple of touchdowns. Tate Rotomaker played some in the game as well. Uh, he had a couple of touchdown passes. I mean, four touchdowns on the ground, four touchdowns through the air. It was it was just dominance everywhere you look. Keon Coleman had another good game. He had three catches and a touchdown. I don't think he played a ton in that game. So, yeah, I mean, it's a move past this one and get on to the next one. Yeah. Because but, uh, yeah. I, I don't even know that you really – now, it's not how coaches operate, right? They're going to go back and watch the film. And they're probably going to try and pull some teaching moments from this. I guess that's what they did yesterday. I don't even think you spend a whole lot of time with the film from this game. 
other than, look, we don't care what the score is. Now, you, you may point to some missed tackles. You may point to some blatant missed assignments. You may point to some areas where, okay, you had an opportunity for success here if you had done this, this, and this right. And those are things that we've been through a hundred times and coached through. And, you know, mental mistakes are not okay. So maybe you'd kind of do some of that in film study. But in terms of you need to go back and dissect every play from this game, I don't think so. Do the uh, the old bury the uh, bury the tape thing, which it's all digital. So, although I think what was it Dan Campbell that actually took a flash drive at their facility out back and made the team watch him dig a hole and put a flash drive in the hole. He couldn't bury the tape because there's no tape anymore. But that's what you do. <laughs> you uh, yeah, it just big important game this weekend. I know it's a non-conference game, but still, it's a Tulane team that you can beat because you did it a year ago. Um, you really have to play well. Fans need to create a home field environment. I saw a professional football team struggle with a crowd yesterday. That is real. So create an atmosphere. Get back on track with a team that you can. Wait, the Saints game? Yeah, the Titans were not prepared at all for the noise. You could tell early. Oh, oh I thought you meant there were a bunch of empty seats. Oh, no. No, you could you you could tell that a home crowd actually yeah. does impact they, they, what they happens were rattled. on the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No question. Yeah. So create that kind of environment, impact, possibly an inexperienced quarterback, and move forward with the season. It's a bye game. Move on. It's okay. We'll be back. Winners and losers coming up next. Your number one for sports talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports talk, Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super talk, Mississippi. I don't know if I've ever come into a Monday where I think we've had so many good candidates for both winner and loser, but oh goodness, if we got a bunch of those that we can get to, you can help us out with winners and losers on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Have you heard about the uh, the new program from uh, C Spire? It's called Connect and Protect. It's a way for you to protect your children monitor their online activity, make sure that um, they're getting the supervision they need, all while talking or operating on the device they want. Learn more at cspire.com. Sports Talk Mississippi coming to you from the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, two 18-hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. You can book your tee time online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. If you've checked the forecast, yes, this is a good golf week that we have right here in the Magnolia State. We uh, had, guys, what, what, what did you say last week when I told you how many people participated in the Polk's Pick 6? Need a thousand. No, no, no. You can't move the goalposts. That's what I said. No, you said we. No, it isn't what you said. Oh, it was like like it was like five oh one or something last week, and I said let's do another hundred. Yeah, what we get? Six oh two. Seven oh two. Let's get to seven hundred. Six hundred two entrants last week into the Polk's Pick Six. How many people? The games loaded. Six and oh one two three four five 
six, seven of you. There were seven right. people that went six and zero oh, that had Ole Miss over Tulane, Mississippi State over Arizona, Florida State over Southern Miss, Texas over Alabama, Miami over Texas A and M, and Auburn over Cal. And so it went to the tiebreaker. The total number of points in the Alabama-Texas game was 58. William in South Haven went 6-0, and and he had 59 for the tiebreaker. And, yes, William had his entry plugged in in plenty of time. Plenty of time. We will have this week's games loaded for you very soon. They are not up yet. We will have them up very, very soon. Congratulations to William. In South Haven, we will have a um, prize package, a six-pack of Polk's smoked sausage coming to you from Polk's later in the week. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Let's get to winners and losers. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. I'm a loser, baby. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner. And will not tolerate a loser. Sorry, I'm going off the radar for my first winner this week. The Joker. Novak Djokovic wins the U.S. Open at Flushing Meadows. And in the post match celebration as part of the television broadcast, Here's Chris Fowler with a heavy dose of irony considering who won the U.S. Open. Take a listen. Uh, oh, boy. Well, we'll take you to the modernist shot of the day, and it was <laughs> saving the match point. point. Oh, the match. match point to get to number 24. There were a lot of shots that were highly impactful. Here's the final one. We'll fast forward to the end just so you can hear it one more time from Chris Fowler. Shot of the day brought to you by Moderna. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the Moderna shot of the day for Jovac Novak Djokovic, the winner of the U.S. Open. 24th Grand Slam title for the Joker. Hey, Dad, you didn't think that was funny? Come on! I just I fear what it brings to the text line sometimes. Well, you know, bring it. All right, give me a winner, hey dad. Steve Sarkeesian, you know, in, in a world where, you know, Kiffin has been so successful, and everybody, like the the greatest of Saban's uh, offensive disciples, Sarkeesian has gone to Texas, a program that we thought might flounder forever, and he, it looks like they finally are, in fact, back. We will on a, on a scale of one to ten, uh, with ten being all the way back, they're a solid nine and a half. Let's just you know see if they don't they don't blow it the rest of the year. They're talented. They're loaded at quarterback, which is the most important position they've got. I mean, Ewers is a guy that I was talking about. I had him in the same group with Caleb Williams and then and, and and Drake May prior to the season. And then they've got Arch Manning behind him. They should be set up for success for a while. And then it, I, my guess is that if when Saban decides it's time to go, that Sark's probably the first phone call that Alabama will make. So Steve, Steve Sarkeesian. Coming all the way back, that's that's my winner. Borky, uh, Jimmy Sexton is a winner. Huh. You want to know why? 
Sure. Because depending on what his deal is with Jimbo Fisher, now he could get more or possibly, I, I assume, less uh, than 3%. But Google says 3% is about the agent's cut uh, on a coach's contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Jimbo Fisher gets fired at the end of the season and Ross Bjork pays him $76 million, remember Ross Bjork gave Jimbo Fisher a $1.5 million raise and an extension out to 10 years in August of 2021 when nobody was competing against him. Jimmy Sexton will pocket almost $3 million that day just because his client got fired. Good for Jimmy. Good for Ross. Good for Texas A&M. What a disaster they are. How about Jimbo being a winner? What's my angle here? Because he's going to get $76 million? No, no, no. no, no, no. Jimbo for, for staying on brand. This was uh, Jimbo on 12th Man TV following the um, the loss to Miami. Part of the reason they lost, here, here's what he had to say. Yeah, the ball just, they clapped. Well, our, they simulated our snap count, and our guys heard the clap, and they snapped the ball. We had a play, I mean a whole play we had to play, like a goal line play, and what happened, the ball got snapped early because they simulated the snap count and slap clapped their hands and snare snapped the ball. Stayed on brand. That boy, Jimbo, it's not your fault. They slap clapped. I'm surprised. Surprised you didn't play the rest of that. Did you not? Did you not hear the rest of what he said? I did not. He also he also said later. He said later in the game, it's the eye of the tiger. It's the thrill of the fight. Rising up to the challenge of our rivals. Rising up. (laughs) Back on the street. Does he you know? want to hear him talk about the slap clap one more time? Does he know? I slap think he knows. Hey, the ball just, they, they clapped. Well, our, they simulated our snap count. And our guys heard the clap and they snapped the ball. We had a play. I mean, slap a clap. Play. We had to play like a goal line play. And what happened, the ball got snapped early because they simulated the snap count and slap clapped their hands and snare snapped the ball. <laughs> slap clap. I've never heard slap clap. I know. Before. That's what I wanted to play again. I love slap clap. Uh, no, Jimbo winner for staying go. on brand. Never change, Jimbo. Never change. There you go. There you go. Never, ever change. Uh, hey, did you get a winner? Well, I have. A, I wanted to go to. A, I, I got. I'm going to do a loser because I have a stat here that is just. I can't get over it. So, no team in the NFL oh, has ever in a season, in yeah. the in a season, never in a season, lost forty to nothing or worse. Lost the, had a game where they gave up seven sacks and had no sacks. Lost the turnover battle 3-0 or worse. Had a block field goal return for a touchdown and threw a pick six. Never happened to a team in a season. The Giants did it last night. They did all of those things last night. I have never seen an NFL team get whipped up and down the football field. An NFL like in college That's supposed those to be games a good happen, Giants man. team too. Like they're supposed to be good. Yeah. In college, those games happen. They happen every week in college football. But in the NFL, that stands for not for long if you're going to play like that, buddy. That was an incredible butt-kicking by the Dallas Cowboys. The Giants. At home. At home. No team has ever lost 40 to nothing or worse and lost the sack battle 7 to nothing or worse and lost the turnover battle 3 to nothing or worse and had a blocked field goal return for a touchdown and thrown a pick six in the same season. Season. 
Giants did it in a single game last night. Hey. Hey. What's your next one, hey, uh, Borky? I'll let you choose, winner or loser. Uh, we are up against a heartbreak, so a quick loser here. DraftKings on this very emotional day for a lot of people because 22 years ago, as all of you know, uh, our country was attacked and thousands of people lost their lives. In honor of oh, that, God, this. DraftKings did a never-forget 9-11 parlay where you bet on the Mets, the Yankees, and the Jets to win. Hey. Nothing and 9-11 way, can ever be happy. Never-forget parlay is what they called it. The, the graphic that. that I saw tweeted 343 people had bet the parlay. And then there were well, responses money never to sleeps. The tweet. I get that one, but yeah, there, there there were responses to the tweet showing people who had faded the entire parlay. Uh, we'll be back. Eek. Sports talk, Mississippi. Your winners and losers are next. It's time to get real, real sports talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports Talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi. We'll get some of your winners on the C Spire text line, winners and losers, 601-879-4395. Oregon State, Washington State, a winner. Here are the details of what we mentioned earlier during the Blitz. A state judge in Washington granted a temporary restraining order on Monday to prevent the Pac-12 conference from meeting as a board later this week. Uh, Judge Gary Leiby ruled in favor of Oregon State and Washington State and Whitman County Superior Court after they jointly filed a complaint on Friday that saw the potential of the Pac-12 meeting as a board and voting as, quote, an imminent and existential threat, close quote, to the future of the conference. The ruling for the temporary restraining order both prevents a Pac-12 board meeting scheduled for Wednesday and also sets up a preliminary injunction hearing that is expected to determine who comprises the voting members of the Pac-12 Board of Directors. That hearing has not been set. It would likely be scheduled in October. It could include document and email discovery from the Pac-12 and member schools and live witness testimony from prominent officials in and around the Pac-12. Here's a quote. Today's ruling is an important first step to bring clarity and fairness to Pac-12 governance, said the uh, lawyer for Washington State. The future of the Pac-12 should be controlled by the schools who stay, not those who go. I, I'm sure there's a lot of complexity here that I don't understand, that we don't understand. But on the surface... Huge props to Washington State and Oregon State for saying, fine, leave. You leave us sitting here on an island by ourselves. We are the only two remaining members of the Pac-12. All of you have declared your intentions. You're leaving. Big 10, Big 12, adios, not good enough here. Okay. You don't get a say in how we run our conference. 
And the we is two schools. It's kind of a boss move by Oregon State and Washington State. And I Very love smart. it. Love yeah. it. And if it's just two of them and they vote unanimously on everything and nobody else has a vote, I mean, they can they can strip all of those schools of the revenue that they're supposed to be getting in the future. Yeah. I mean, I guess theoretically they could strip them of their TV revenue this year. If the Pac-12 the, the, board votes unanimously to change the distribution of the revenue, well, the Pac-12 board is now consists of two. You boys thought you were getting thirty million this year. I got bad news for you. Imagine, they're gonna have they're each gonna get two hundred million dollars. Great work. <laughs> that's a good that's smart. That's smart business. Smart the, business. Uh, the one with the where they where they said that the Pac twelve would have to pay like transition would help the schools leaving with transition fees. Like what? What? I think even the judge said what when when they heard that they're like what? No, that's not happening. Hey, Dad, you come to work yeah. tomorrow, and as yeah. soon as the show ends, you walk into our boss's office and say, "I am leaving. I got another job." That pays me more, and I am going to that new job, but I will be right. leaving a year from now. Okay? So I, I, want, I want to keep this job and all the stuff that goes with it until then. All right? Good? Okay, yeah, we can agree on that. Thank you. That was very generous of you. And, oh, by the way, I need you to help me pay my moving expenses. Cool? That that Mayflower truck, that's on y'all's dime. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe Probably not. not. Probably not. By the way, the Pac-12's attorney that was at the hearing, Mark Lambert, argued for the meeting to be held in order to conduct league business. He said the league has nearly 200 employees and is working to, quote, keep its lights on, close quote, and keep, quote, critical employees in place, close quote. He added that George Klyovkov, who was not present at the hearing, by the way, he was in Montana, he's got a house there, is in a terrible position and is just trying to keep league business moving smoothly. He says every Saturday until June of next year, he's responsible for all league activity. Wonder how quickly Oregon State, Washington State will fire George Klyovkov once they have voting rights, sole voting rights. What time is it now? Yeah, I mean, it just can already be done. We don't still know about it. Oh, goodness. All right, let's see here. Let's go to the ceasefire. I got more losers. Text line. Rushing us away from ours. Uh, Pete Golding, because Alabama on Saturday night only had six pressures, didn't have a sack, and only hit Quinn Ewers twice. And then, of course, all those long touchdown passes gave up 35 points. Rice, last week against Texas, had 10 pressures and four sacks. So that Pete Golding defense at Alabama... Oh, wait a minute. Oh, that's Kevin Steele's defense. Oh, I, I, oh, I, I thought that... Oh, okay. Oh, my bad. That, that, oh, that's God. that's my mistake. The Alabama fans that crawl into my mentions, uh, they disappeared on Saturday. I, I wonder where they went. All of this, you're wrong. Golding is why nobody fears They're Alabama in the anymore. Well, I, where where'd they go? It just they did. They I guess they forgot to tell me how much better Alabama is now that that Pete's gone and that I was wrong. That he's actually good at his job 
And Kevin Steele is a huge upgrade. They they just forgot to tell me about that on Saturday night. I saw a great tweet, and I I can't pronounce the guy's name, like Sherhan Jaranjan. I can't pronounce it. He works for CBS Sports. I'm very very sorry I can't pronounce his name. But he made it really – it's like a conspiracy theory, but it makes sense. He's like, do you want to know why Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson are are down a little bit? It's because all the five-star players they would have are at Texas A&M toiling in obscurity. Hmm. Like, it makes sense, right? There's a whole team of four and five star kids that should be starting for Alabama, Texas A, or for Ohio State, for Clemson, but they're in Texas A and M going eight and five. I'm going to object to your term "should be." Yeah, and go with yeah. "would be" in an alternate universe. Would be. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see here. Winner Zach Arnett for actually answering questions and giving honest perspective and not coach speak during interviews. He gave plenty during interviews. The the interview with Cole Kublik, is that the one you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Where I, I, I walked down to the uh, press conference, my phone's blowing up like, did you hear? And I'm like, how could I have heard? At least you were nice enough to just say, oh, you guess this, 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 this is what happened. I mean, two, I had no idea. Two things can be true at once here because I, I, we we got a few texts about it earlier, and there were people like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you said that word on TV." Two things can be true. Zach Arnett would probably tell you, "I should and I need to not do that again," and that's that's not something that I want to do and I'm going to do moving forward. He would probably tell you he messed up. It was, it was an emotional game. He said a, a bad word, and he's not going to do it again. He would probably tell you that, and also. If a football coach, using one profane word, offends you, I don't think that's a problem with the football coach. Sorry. Don't go to practice. That's a problem with you. Newsflash, football coaches cuss. They usually don't do it on national television with a live mic in front of their face. Uh, It slipped. He realized it immediately. He kind of like had the deer in the headlights. He's a football coach. He he teaches a game where a bunch of... Very Zach, large. Zach Barnett is football guy, football coach, too. Uh, yeah. But but he teaches a game and coaches a game. His profession is trying to get his very large 18 to 22-year-old guys to hit another group of 18 to 22-year-old guys as hard as they can. That is what Zach Barnett does for a living. It's okay if he says a bad word. It's okay. Richard Hutt. How would you grade Cole Kublik's handling of that as a man who has had to do an interview with a coach who dropped that word before? He just kept on rolling. It's fine. There you go. That's all know, you can you do. Like stop and make a big deal of it. You just oh, oh okay. I mean, <laughs> whoa, I, coach! Also wow. a newsflash. That's actually a word that Cole yeah. has heard before. <laughs> yeah, possibly yeah, even one that has slipped from his lips somewhere along the way. It's possible. Uh, maybe even on a broadcast. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Let's see here. Uh, loser Mississippi State football attendance. Loser, hey, Dad, for not thinking this is an issue. I, I, hold on now. I think hey, Dad does think the football attendance is an issue. He's pretty clear about that last week when we talked about it. I just, well, I've, I'm at the point now where, where I think Mississippi State, the 10,000 empty seats that they're having, those are their casual fans, and they're going to be tough to sell. I think they've got all the diehard fans they can get in the stadium at this point. Uh, CC and Senatobia, loser Keith Olderman. O- Olberman, he needs to never comment on anything ever. Well, yeah. 
Um, okay. But remember who, what's going on there? you know, we, we do this often in the Internet age. Keith Olbermann is, what, in his 60s? And he lives alone in an apartment in New York City. He, 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 he's nobody that should bother you. His opinions are worthless. They're meaningless. He lost his mind a long time ago. Uh, Vince is winner. Number eight, Delta State. Loser, Chowan. Um, we'll tell you more about it. If you missed that story from over the weekend, we'll tell you about it when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi and the Pearl River. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. Delta State was leading 42-18 over Chowan. I'm assuming I'm saying that right. If I'm not, if it's Shawan or are we good with this? Is the only time this is the only time we will ever talk about this school. It literally doesn't matter what their name is. So ahead 42 to 18 in the fourth quarter, Delta State at Shawan, and there was a brawl on the field that spilled off the field. Delta State overcame a halftime deficit to put a beat down on the Chowan Hawks. And they were coming off a, a run play when the dust-up erupted. Now, if you've watched the video of it, it's really kind of hard to tell what's going on. It's like a single camera with a fogged-up lens. Delta State head coach Todd Cooley posted two videos showing the fight on his Twitter X account. In the videos, both players and fans can be seen swinging helmets. There was another social media post that showed Delta State tight end Adam Duncan being pinned up against the fence as Chowan players continuously took shots at him. So, ugh. The Gulf South Conference, by the way, has stepped in. And they issued suspensions to six football playing student-athletes, one of the six student-athletes from Chowan will receive a season-long suspension and be barred from the travel squad and the stadium for the rest of the year. One non-team individual will be, be barred from the stadium for the remainder of the season, and the institution continues to investigate the incident. Plus, Chowan will conduct a football game management and security review and will submit any findings and new policies to the conference prior to their next home football game. This was um, this was ugly. And other than just kicking the crap out of Chowan in the second half of the game, I don't know that Delta State had a whole lot to do with it. Yeah, doesn't appear so. That's why I mean the, the Gulf South Conference announced you know no, no suspensions for Delta State. So, I mean, they obviously feel the same way. So, I mean, football fights happen. We've seen them a lot. But when you talk about the fans getting involved and things like that, that's another level that you don't ever, ever want to see. Shocking, really. I mean, there is a Delta State player who is pinned up against the fence, full uniform, and they're like half a dozen players and fans who are just trying to waylay him. That's awful. It's just terrible. So, there you go. Probably the end of the Chowan football program, at least for this season. 
I don't, be. Know. I don't know if you can let that continue. Yeah. Their uh, their game against Virginia State has been postponed. Oh, I'm sorry. That's an old post. My bad. That's an old post. Anyway. Um, sports. I mean, that video is shocking, man. That's it, yeah. It's hard to fathom. Agreed. Yeah. I, maybe this is extreme uh, hyperbole. I don't know if you can let that team take the field right now. I, I you you can't let them just keep playing games and practicing as normal. You can't do that. If you yeah. want, if you I want to stop that something, I disagree with you. And curb a behavior, you have to punish it, right? Mm-hmm. If, if those guys are allowed to just play and the team's allowed to just keep going as is, you think they're going to not fight the next time? I don't know, man. This is bad. Like, one player getting in a... Uh, as Haydad mentioned, fights do happen in football games sometimes. Most of the time it's one player. And teammates step in, they separate it, Whatever. It's not this. No. No, not at all. Um, Mike says that the Tulane game day staff is a loser for blocking all the exits after the game except one in each end zone. Yeah, so apparently the way that the teams exit the stadium is through portals in the corner, but they have to go through the concourse underneath the stadium where fans exit. And so twice during pregame, twice at halftime, and until it, until everybody's off the field, they put these fence barricades up in the concourse that basically just keep fans where they are. And uh, it was a bit of a uh, an issue getting people out of the stadium after the game on uh, on Saturday at, at Yulman. Uh, so I said, "Where is Challen uh, at?" They are in Murfreesboro, North Carolina. I have no idea. No, nah, not a clue. Yeah, I looked it up. <laughs> I did. Um, loser, Michael says me, staying up until one thirty to watch the Auburn Cal game. Hashtag struggle win. Please outlaw West Coast games. I don't know that I would have made it to the end of that game if I had been sitting at home with nothing else to do. I probably would have fallen asleep on the couch watching it. As it was with an alarm set for 4 a.m. with Eastern time, which was 3 a.m. at home, knowing that I had to get up and get on a plane Sunday morning, I uh, I made it till about halftime, and that was it. Uh, Auburn's you woke up on this alarm? I did. I imagine that. Good. That's good news. Yeah. Um, Auburn's going to struggle to score. And this ties to something that we mentioned briefly earlier, but uh, – you know, people are doing the the correlation between NIL era and portal era and college football feeling. I mean, Alabama feels down now. Ohio State feels down. Clemson's a disaster. Uh, I mean, I know they ended up winning the game, but Charleston Southern gave them a run in the first half. Um, they're doing the correlation equals causation thing. That's not always the case, but still. College football feels gettable this year, and the SEC in particular. Because we talked about the flaws with Ole Miss and State. Who doesn't have one in the SEC? Georgia's gotten off to two slow starts in a row with a new offense. And an uninspiring hire to run that offense, by the way. Arkansas scored 26 points against Kent State on Saturday. A&M just lost to Miami. Kind of badly. Scored a little bit, but kind of badly. We saw Alabama's issues. Now, Texas is one of the better teams in the country, but Alabama's got issues. We've seen LSU's issues already 
Those two teams lost. Tennessee just scored the least amount of points in the Hypel era against Austin P. And their next Heisman Trophy winning quarterback doesn't really look like he's a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback right now. Vanderbilt is what Vanderbilt is. Kentucky's really struggling to score against bad teams right now. Missouri probably should have lost to Middle Tennessee this past weekend. South Carolina's got offensive line issues. Florida's got quarterback issues. The the entire SEC has something that your team also has. If Ole Miss fans are concerned about the offensive line, hello Gamecocks. If Mississippi State fans are concerned about not having an explosive offense, hello Tennessee right now? It's a problem everywhere. It's really interesting. Every team's got a glaring weakness at the moment. I agree with that. I, I, I do. Which kind of makes it exciting, right? I mean, it's like, if you and I are going to fight each other, hey, Dad, let's just say you and I are going to fight each other. And let's I've go. Got, I've got a broken arm. Oh, like, like, you're let, in trouble. Let, let's just say in this normal situation, everybody knows that I'm going to beat you up. But I've got a broken arm. But you've got a broken leg. And, and so, or, or, or actually, let's back up for a second. I got, I got, I'm going to, I'm going to use the word, Borky, you're just going to have to get over it. Are you about to tell me that I'm as useless as a one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest? Is that what you're about to tell me? No, I wasn't exactly going to say that. <laughs> That's not exactly what I was going to say. I was actually. I, bet, I think Borky hit the dub button. He's he's looking at the. I think I he's looking down. I think he hit the dub button. <laughs> yeah, let's say you. I, I couldn't resist though. Like we are evenly matched in a fight, and then we find out I've got a broken arm. Well, advantage right. to you, but then we find out that you've got a yeah. broken leg. Well, maybe that's advantage to me, or maybe we're just back to it all is. square, and it's like, oh, yeah. okay. It's almost like that, Borky, in in the SEC this year. I mean, still, when it's all said and done, I mean, you're going to go, well, Alabama's got a more talented roster, and LSU's got a more talented roster, but those teams have got broken arms and broken legs just like other teams do. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think we needed the, 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 the handicaps there. I think the teams are just more even. Feels like it. I have no the, the team... The, do, do you guys have yeah. any idea how the SEC West is going to play out this year. I think in the end, Alabama will find its way. <sighs> but but there's not just one thing with Alabama. right? That they got dominated at the line of scrimmage by Texas. Not, not like pushed around yeah. a little bit. They were dominated by Texas at the line of scrimmage. Offensive line was not very good. Back end of the defense was not very good. Jalen Milrow is like boom or bust. He looks lost. He throws as pretty a deep ball as there is ever in college football. But then he makes bad decisions and he throws into, like, easy interceptions also. They can't get a snap to the quarterback. Like, every third snap. He's the Mercedes-Benz version of Chris Relf. I guess. I mean, it feels like you're going to be able to throw for yards and scores on LSU. Auburn looks like a mess. Mississippi State at times looked like a mess the other night. Old Miss's offensive line looked like a mess against Tulane. Arkansas couldn't score on Kent State. And all of them also have upsides. They do. We'll be back. Let's talk about the upsides next. 
Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. So we're talking about the fact that everybody in the SEC, to some degree, had a flaw, specifically the SEC West. And they all seem fatal, too. Not just like a little flaw. Not like, oh, well, their wide receivers could be better. It's like, no, these are things that they are bad at that could cost them games, like multiple games. But there's also some good... Mm-hmm. In every team in the West, Alabama. What's the good for Alabama? Overall, super talented roster, available available yeah, yeah, talent. elite talent. Yeah, not getting after the quarterback though. That is interesting. That you know, joking aside about Pete Golding, those guys should not struggle to get after any quarterback, and yet they did on Saturday. With Arkansas, you got Rocket Sanders. You know what he's capable of. You got KJ Jefferson. Mm-hmm. You got experience yeah. on the you, you have side. you have an elite backfield. And look for all the jokes that I made about, I, I, not even jokes. I mean the observations that I made. You know, twenty eight to six against Kent State. That's not a super inspiring performance. It just you know like feels. Eh. They did hold Kent State to just six points. I mean it's not like they won that game twenty eight seventeen. It's not like they did what Missouri did against Middle Tennessee State. Right. And you know an Arkansas team is going to play hard for Sam Pittman. Hmm. Auburn. Quarterback. As a strength? Oh, stri- I, I'm an idiot. No, weakness. Um, defensive front's okay. Yeah. I mean, they, they held Cal to 10 points. Yeah, they, they look good there, yeah. actually. They, they might be disruptive on some people. Yeah. Mississippi State. Linebackers. Just, just so much veteran experience yeah, is what yeah. I would say. Uh, uh, I, I agree with both of you. I mean, I mean, Bookie Watson and Jet Johnson are so good together. I look. I, I'm, I'm generally speaking not an early adopter, like on anything. I mean, you, especially you guys would say on social media things or whatever. I mean, social media something pops and you guys are all over it, and like two weeks later, like, hey, did you see? I was an early adopter on Jet Johnson out of Tupelo High School. Like, when he committed to Mississippi State, I kind of went, eh, he's going to be good. I really wish Ole Miss had gotten him. I don't know how hard Ole Miss recruited Jet Johnson. I had no idea. But he's been a tackling machine since he stepped on campus at Mississippi State. Yeah. Now he's, he's reading smart. coverages and getting him passing lanes. He's in the right place at the right time. He makes plays. He's not the most physically gifted linebacker in America. No. But, man, does he maximize his ability. Good grief. Yeah. Just a good football player. Yeah. Ole Miss. You mean aside from kicker? Because uh, Caden Davis could have made that from 80, I swear. That's a little hyperbole, but like 65 probably still makes that kick. 
Uh, dude's got a leg on him. Shout out Jimbo Fisher for letting him go. Um, here's the thing. I think it's quarterback. Well, it's just they're an explosive offense. You, you When you play Ole Miss, you know you're going to have to put points on the board, and that puts pressure on teams. Ole Miss's offense was very okay on Saturday. Just very okay. Yeah. And they scored 37. Now, seven of those belong to the defense. I, I'm they, sure. they scored 30 against the top 25 team with a really good front seven on a day where they were very average. And had a turnover in their own territory where receiver slipped making his break. Ball would have been on the money. Wade slipped. It's not his fault. He, you know, you, people slip. But the gave a, a, a possession in their own territory as well. That should not have been. Um, I, I'm curious to see how they scheme away from offensive line issues, if that's what they choose to do. If they start implementing a more quick, get-the-ball-out-fast passing game, just kind of like, you know what the Bucks did with Tom Brady, knowing he was in darts mobile. Bad comparison, but you get my point. The Bucks threw the ball so fast, just so fast when Tom Brady was there. Take the snap, throw the ball. Just little short stuff. Maybe they go to, to something like that or implement more of a screen game if, if they're still having issues up front to alleviate some of those issues because they've played games in the past under Kiffin where the offensive line was not as good as the guys in front of them and they still were explosive offensively found ways around it. What are they going to do here to find ways around that? I'm curious to see that. We get a question. Did Tulane give the blueprint on how to stop Ole Miss? I don't I don't think so. And, and, and here's why. If an LSU or Alabama, given the issues that they've got in the back end of the defense, commits eight guys to the run because of Quinshaw and Judkins, then Ole Miss should exploit them in the passing game. Should. On the flip side, if LSU or Alabama is arrogant to say that they can handle the running game with just three or four linemen and their linebackers, then I think it will open things up more for Quinshawn Judkins because that's what he saw a year ago. And, and when I say arrogant, I don't even mean that in a bad way. They're like, we've got great defensive linemen. We're not allocating more than normal to stop the run game. But Ole Miss is going to have to run the football. They just are. They led the SEC in rushing the last two years, and it's not like the offensive line is that different than it was a year ago. I kind of feel like they're going to figure it out. We'll be back. Here comes more Sports Talk Mississippi. You ready, guys? On Super Talk Mississippi. A beauty from South Alabama. Her daddy had a heart like a nine pound Five o'clock hour. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of this radio program. You can check them out online at genteelapparel.com. The uh, collegiate collection is available to you. If, if you're looking for that stack, MSU logo. I don't think it's available on their website yet, but it is available through Genteel. And so if you will reach out to them, um, there's a, uh, a way that you can reach out to them from their website. If you've got questions, I promise you they will take care of you. Customer service matters. In fact, we got a message at the beginning of the show today that said, I'm, I'm wearing Genteel stuff because of you guys. Found out of it, uh, found out about it because of you. I recently got 
an Ole Miss golf shirt and the sleeve separated at the seam. He said, I reached out to them and they overnighted me a new shirt, no questions asked. Great guys. They really are. They are good people to deal with. You can get free shipping right now on orders over $150. If you use your email address when you register, you can get 10% off your order online. They've got some savings on end-of-season stuff, and new fall merchandise is coming in every single day. Great-looking stuff that you're going to love at Genteel Apparel. You can also find them at men's specialty stores across the state of Mississippi. We're glad to be with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios, Pearl River Resort is the home of entertainment and great food and gaming and the sports book. And you can find out about all of those things on their website, PearlRiverResort.com. Let's jump into the college football fix. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Log on to BuyFordNow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. We'll talk about the rest of the SEC from this past weekend in just a minute, but we got TV times, kickoff times, and TV designations for the week four games. So we're talking Saturday, September 23rd. Get your day started with Auburn at Texas A&M. That game kicks at 11 o'clock on ESPN. Wow. Set your calendars, everybody. Kentucky is at Vanderbilt, also at 11 o'clock on the SEC Network. If you're wanting to punish a child, <laughs> make them watch that game. Johnny won't clean his room. On it after. Yeah, Johnny won't clean his room. Give him a notepad and a pen and say, give me 2,000 words of a post-game recap of that game. He will clean his room every day. 2.30 so kickoff. For Ole Miss and Alabama in Tuscaloosa on CBS. Want to bet Lane Giffen does not give a quote uh, right before kickoff to the sideline interviewer on CBS this time? Yes, I do want to bet. I think that's just Kiffin's nature, Scorpion and the Frog. He'll give a quote if what, if, if asked. What if he goes, hey, it's good to see you guys. I thought you all would go to the Big Ten. <laughs> see, yeah, something like that, yeah. Regardless, I would take that bet, yes. Uh, UTSA at Tennessee. Look out. Just saying. Tennessee's probably going to win that game. Texas San Antonio's good. And they've got a quarterback that is in his sixth year, Frank Harris. Over 5,000 career passing yards, over 1,500 career rushing yards. Of course, Tennessee would say, we'll get screwed if we have the same rest we had last week. Um, Arkansas at LSU, 6 o'clock, ESPN. Charlotte is at Florida at 6 on the SEC Network Plus. UAB in Georgia, 6.30 on ESPN 2. Mississippi State at South Carolina, 6.30 on the SEC Network. This is going to be so big. The game's going to be so important. All right, got to win it. Both yeah. teams got to win it. If you're going to meet expectations, I, I think South Carolina's down bad. But, I mean, they fought with the Paladins for a while. After getting yeah. embarrassed by North yeah. Carolina, usually like, reading into FCS games, as we talked about last week, not 
not the smartest thing that you can do. Tennessee's better than Austin P. More than 24 points better than Austin P. whatever it was. But when you get embarrassed like they did in the season opener, don't you think that they would have come back home and if they could have beaten the brakes off of a lesser opponent? Like that would have been the sign of a team that's still prepared to win games and meet expectations, right? As they came back laser-focused, ready to play, took care of business right away. Instead, they were tied at 14, really struggled with Furman for three quarters before talent and depth took over. Yeah. LSU came back and beat Grambling by 63. That's the kind of thing that you were supposed to see. Yeah, North Carolina also had a complete inability to put any pressure on Appalachian State's quarterback after stacking... Nine sacks, right? Is it nine, seven? What is a big number? And then Missouri and Memphis is the uh, last one. That game is on ESPNU. It's being played in St. Louis at 6.30. Those are the Saturday, September 23rd games in the SEC. So what about the games from this past weekend? So Georgia 45-3 to over Ball State. It was scoreless at the end of the first quarter. Scoreless. And um, then it was... 31 to nothing at halftime. Quite the uh, quite the turnaround. Um, Tennessee beat Austin P 30 to 13. I would think that's a little concerning for Tennessee fans. It should be 72 to 10 over Grambling, as Borky just mentioned. Do you guys watch some of the Miami Texas A and M game? Yeah, I did. In between laughs, anyway, I was able to really focus in and watch the play on the field. 48-33. Miami nearly hung hung 50 on them. You remember that game from a year ago? Like your eyes bled from watching how bad the offenses were. That's a average to above average ACC team. putting Almost putting a 50-burger on them. Unless Miami's back. You know, the U is back. I don't think we can handle both Texas and Miami being back at the same time. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the U is not back. The Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky score, I mean, that probably raises some eyebrows a bit. The Arkansas, Kent, I mean, to me, Missouri, Middle Tennessee is the one where you're like, ugh, 23 to 19. Yeah. And my, my broadcast partner this weekend, Byron Chamberlain, went to Missouri. So he was really interested in that game. I was kind of watching it. Well, I was watching the Mississippi State-Arizona game. We are having dinner at the bar at the hotel, and he had a computer out, and I had an iPad out, and there were TVs going on, and, you know, it was that guy. But that game was just kind of yuck. Yeah. I mean, Missouri wasn't particularly dominant in week one either. No. There was a lot of that this there... weekend. There was a lot of yuck this weekend when you yeah. looked at some of the games involving SEC teams. Florida did what they were supposed to do. They went out and beat the heck out of McNeese State 49-7. to And they needed that after their first game. Badly. They did. They Badly. Did. Um, Texas and Alabama. 34-24 was the final. But what stood out for you in that game? Alabama's defense. I know people are talking about quarterback offensive line. They could not get pressure and gave up a ton of explosive plays. 
I mean, they, they're just, you know, it, they are not scaring anybody. You know, Tiger Woods, you, you love golf. Here's an analogy. Players talked about in Tiger Woods' prime, if they were playing well and they were on top of the leaderboard and so it, Tiger's four back and then suddenly he becomes three back and the players would start playing differently. His name was intimidating to people. His name cost other guys tournaments. Alabama's name used to scare people, used to intimidate people. Teams, even in, in the SEC, would lose games when they stepped on the field because they saw Alabama. Did anything about Texas at all, from start to finish of that game, Sark, the coaches, Quinn Ewers, feel any kind of pressure or fear of their opponent? None. Absolutely none. But that was none. their mindset going in. Yeah. I mean, that was Texas. If you listen to Texas postgame, I mean, you, you heard their players saying, we were trying to make them quit. No, nobody jumped on the Texas's back. They had one player that said, um, you know, we had a motto for this for, for this team. The motto is F-A-F-O, if you know, you know. Like, okay, all right. I mean, that Texas team's got an attitude. Here's the thing with Texas, though. They've now got to go win the games they're supposed to win. All right, you, you went and you got the big boy, right? You beat Alabama. Now what? You, you got to beat Texas Tech. You gotta beat Baylor. You gotta beat Kansas. You gotta beat Kansas State. I mean, never mind Oklahoma and Red River. I mean, that, that's another kind of one of the big boys. You gotta beat TCU. You gotta beat UCF or Houston or whoever else is on their schedule. We'll see. If they do all those things, that's a scary team in the playoff because of their lines of scrimmage. Here we go. Sports Talk Mississippi. Here's more. Super Talk. Mississippi. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Somebody sent us a message, said, here's Texas's schedule for you guys. I still expect a loss somewhere just because LOL, but they look good. Right, they got Wyoming at home this week. Go to Baylor, host Kansas, Oklahoma, and Dallas. At Houston, BYU at home, Kansas State at home. At TCU, at Iowa State, Texas Tech at home. On paper, Texas should go undefeated. On paper. You disagree? Nah, you're, no. you're correct. They should. But they, they but still this is what college you football, saw. And they'll, they'll find a loss. It's hard to go undefeated. No. But but based on what we saw on Saturday night, they should win every game they play the rest of the way. Yes, they should. Including whoever they play in the Big 12 championship game. Yes. Now, will they? Altogether different story. 
we'll uh, we'll get to watch it unfold. You you know how last week we did the overreactions. Mm-hmm. Here's an overreaction that I believe we can now start talking about the end of the Nick Saban era in Alabama. I think what I said in the previous segment is something that's been going on for a few years now. And whether it be, you know, pick, pick your choice, whether it be his age, whether it be the changing landscape where they can't stockpile players anymore and, and guys are transferring and, and teams in their league are, are getting better and more invested. When Nick Saban took over at Alabama, was little old Miss investing $9 million into their football coach? No, everybody's richer. Everybody's getting more players. There's more player movement, all this stuff going on. The game has changed, and he's evolved and adapted with it and done well there. But I think that we can point to last season as that was when the the, the stranglehold on the SEC that he had ended. His team wasn't particularly good for his standards, and Kirby beat him, didn't beat him, but won another championship. And that was when things started going down a path that led to him hanging it up and calling it the greatest career of all time. So I was thinking about this yesterday as I was traveling. To, to me, the, the part of Nick Saban that, that is most impressive has been the sustainability. Right, he got the Alabama job in 2007. They went 7-6 and six with an Independence Bowl win this, that year and a November loss at home to ULM. Also lost to Florida State and Jacksonville that season. Seven and six. And then they were off to the races. And since 2008, so between 2008 and 2022, they won six national championships. Unprecedented. And yeah. it, it, was, it was his ability to do it over and over and over. So there were a couple of things that were in play there. One, they recruited at a level that was matched by nobody. Over and over and over. Number two, there were issues here and there, but largely Alabama has avoided scandal under Nick Saban. Right? They haven't had the... You know, 30 players getting arrested in a single offseason. They haven't had a bunch of guys quit because of a coach that was mistreating. They've they've avoided kind of the big scandal. I mean, every college football program has stuff that they have to deal with. They've been able to either avoid it altogether or keep it in-house. And number three, for basically two decades – Nick Saban has been able to keep his players invested. They have continued to play at a really high level for him. He's kept them invested in the system. People say, well, it's because they're winning. No, no, there's more to it than because they're winning. And so what's fascinating to me is, okay, what, what are the two programs that right now we think can rival what Alabama either is or has been? Clearly it's Georgia, who's won the last two national championships, and now Texas. Both of those guys, Kirby Smart and Steve Sarkeesian, worked under Nick Saban. So, so my question is, a couple, couple of questions. 
do those two coaches, Kirby Smart at Georgia, Steve Sarkeesian at Texas, did they have the ability to grind the way Nick Saban did over and over and over and over and over? Or did they have a small-ish window of successful dominance? You know, could you see Kobe, uh, Kirby sticking with Georgia for three or four more years and winning two more titles and then being like, I'm good. That's enough. Could you see Sark? Let's just say Texas were to win one this year. And they recruit at a really high level for the next two or three years, and they make the transition to the SEC, and they win another one three years from now. And see Sarkeesian going, I'm good. I'm out. I don't need to do this for 18 years at one place. Yeah. Because to me, that's I, I what sets Nick smart. Saban apart from all the rest of them. I could see Smart being like that, especially since he's at his alma mater. He might want to stay, stay and try to win as many titles as he can. But Stark, Stark strikes me as a guy who might not give mind giving the NFL a shot. Maybe at some point. I mean, being especially being an offensive guy, you know, I think I think he'd be fine there. So, I, but smart see, more if, than Sarkisian. If Kirby did this for ten more years, hey Dad, mm-hmm. that would put him at Georgia for like sixteen or seventeen years. Kirby Smart I mean, I agree. me as a guy that's going to spend that long at one place doing the same thing over and over. I, maybe I'm wrong about that. I mean, if you're winning national titles and you're at your alma mater, what, what do you want? What more, I mean, unless you unless you want to go to the to NFL, retire. you just have this. I mean, if, you want, if that's, yeah, that's the only other option, so, so there, like, there's no. I'm good. How old is he? Fifty. So, coach, to you sick to your sixty? I don't think that's that big an ask. No, I don't think it's that big an ask. He's forty-seven. Some, okay, so he's forty-seven. Oh. But I mean, I'm not planning to walk away from this dynasty that I've built here in ten years. So you know, same thing. He might be built. You you don't put quite the same level of work into your job daily as Kirby Smart. You have no idea how much content I have planned for this week. None. You're right. I don't. But I know how much Kirby Smart's working this week. Yeah. I need a staff of analysts. That's what I need. That's what's help need. me out. Uh, somebody said saying you're a little premature with Texas. Of course I'm premature with Texas. This is a big-picture conversation. But Texas is recruiting right now the way Georgia and Alabama are and the way Texas A&M are. And then the other thing that plays out is I, can, you build, can you build a decades-long dynasty, a decade-long dynasty anymore with NIL involved? Because players are more spread out. They are. Roster building is different, even for the teams that sign all the best players, because the 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 backups that that's I think the, I was talking to somebody about this this weekend because we you know are making fun of Clemson because I like to make fun of Clemson, but Ohio State looks bad for them, you know, for them. Georgia looks not as sharp as they have the last couple of years early against these non-conference teams. Alabama is what they are now, and so we're talking about kind of what happened. It's not the starters. Those guys are still going to those places. Alabama's starting twenty-two is is better than everybody else's. It, you know, it it it's the if you get a linebacker hurt, the backup that you had stockpiled there, the former five-star playing for Coach Prime in Colorado now. That's where Alabama's former lines uh, five-star linebacker that just never could be a starter, but would just hang out as a backup for four years. He hits the portal and goes to Colorado. 
That's where these schools are, are losing now. It's not the starters. It's the 48, not the 22. Yeah. You're right. You can be part of the conversation on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Um, Bobby in Batesville says, I made a joke last week, but now it's more realistic to me. Is there a chance Saban retires to Jacksonville by taking the Florida job, depending on how uh, No. Yeah, no. It, Alabama's his last job. Everything about where he is is not just better, but significantly better than Florida. His paycheck, the facilities, the resources, the fan commitment, the tradition, the history, the trophies, the recruiting base, all of it. And no, I'm not saying that Tuscaloosa has a stronger recruiting base than Jacksonville. I'm talking about the whole. I mean, Saban's always focused on like a five hour radius. And within a five hour radius, he's got access. Not to mention he can recruit nationally because he's at Alabama. And he's Nick Saban. Now, there's nothing about the Florida job that's better than the Alabama job. Not, not one thing. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, supertalk TV. Let's talk a little bit more about Mississippi State, Arizona, and Ole Miss Tulane when we come back. Let the broadcasting of the disturbed continue. Sports Talk Mississippi, Super Talk Mississippi. And out of all people, Bo and Indianola coming to your defense. Richard knocking the head's time he puts in ain't right, even though he is wrong 90% of the time. He knows stats from 94. That's commitment. Well, stats further back than that. I mean, he was kind of taking your side. Kind of. Kind of. That's, that's a backhanded compliment, as we like to call it. Let's go back to uh, the Mississippi State-Arizona game. Uh, sure. If you... Weren't with us at the beginning of the show. Uh, we'll, we'll go back through some of that and some of the Ole Miss-Arizona game as well. So what did we learn about Mississippi State on Saturday night that, that well, we you can want the apply? Ma- the massive overreaction? If you believe it. I don't. So, Okay. Well, what's your massive overreaction? It's pretty obvious this Kevin Barbe doesn't know what he's doing. Okay. Need to go back to the air raid right now. Yeah, we got a text about that earlier. It said, I missed the air raid. And, and you, you have to kind of dance around this. They were not good offensively last year. That was not a good offensive football team. You don't have to dance team. around it. They were, they, they, they were an average to below average offensive football team last year. And, and Rodgers no, no especially that. struggled at the end of the season. And I, they... They regressed a big, a great bit from year two to year three. Rodgers threw for 4,700 yards as a sophomore. He threw for 3,700 yards last year. So I watched on Saturday night in New Orleans. So 
Um, but I did go back and watch what I felt like I missed earlier today. Just watch through blurry put, eyes. Put my feet up and, and, and watch the game and try to fast-forward through commercials and stuff and, and the stuff that I did remember. Is it fair to criticize uh, the lack of attempts at explosion? Not that they didn't have any explosive plays. It, it felt like they were like very conservative, like Daily Wire conservative. Yeah, yeah no, there's, no, there's no question about that, that they were <laughs> – they were they were very very tight for for whatever reason and I just I, I you know I'm not a football coach and I'm never going to be one but I just believe that sometimes you just have to call four verts you just got to say we're we're going to the end zone here we're throwing the ball deep we'll throw it up there let your guy make a play I don't care who you want to throw it to throw it to the guy who's least covered but throw it just to do it and if you break a big play great it, it's got to happen and I thought state yeah. State ran the ball with a lot of success in the first quarter. They were really gashing that that Arizona defense. Their line was block, getting blocking downfield, and I, I just feel like they, the early success at that made them think they could just shut up, shut up shop, and just run the ball the rest of the game. And Arizona wasn't having that, and they they made the the, the proper adjustments. And State didn't readjust to it. I mean, you look at Rogers' numbers; he completed seventy six percent of his passes. He was thirteen of seventeen with three touchdowns. So he's not. It's not Rodgers that's the problem. Yeah, you know, the problem was was the game plan in this situation. I don't ever like saying, "Well, if the if you take this play out, then it was only this," because that's not fair. Yeah. Because a football game is is its entirety. But in regulation, Will Rogers was twelve of sixteen. So that's seventy five percent for one hundred and thirty eight yards. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So that sounds right, sure. 137 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. He, he added, what was it, a 20, how long was the? 29 yard. 29, 29 yard yards. screen pass. Mm-hmm. To, um, to Pittman, right? Yeah, it was Je- a good Jeff run after Pittman. the catch. I mean, you want to talk about a downhill run. Mm-hmm. The, Jeffrey Pittman's yeah. doing some impressive things. He does. Um, he's, he, he's been, a, a, he looks good as the backup. And, and look, Woody Marks, I mean, 24 carries for 123 yards and a touchdown, averaging five yards a carry. He's running really, really hard. They're, they're doing some mm-hmm. good things in the running game. But to me, the thing that stood out more than anything, and especially in the first half, Mississippi State didn't capitalize on what Arizona gave it. No. There were four first-half turnovers. Well, I remember last week when we were talking about Tulane, and we said they had five turnovers against South Alabama, but only won thirty-seven seventeen. Mm-hmm. Well, state state did a worse job of that. They had five turnovers and only won thirty-one twenty-four in overtime. In overtime, they could have been up twenty-four twenty-eight points in the first quarter of this game. Yeah, had the fumble going into the end zone, mm-hmm. cost him at minimum three there, but probably seven. Wait, that was was that a, that was a fourth down play? That was fourth down. They went for it on fourth. Yeah. So, so what it cost them was eighteen yards of field position instead of yeah instead of having the ball at the two yard line because it was a mm-hmm. fumble through the end zone. Arizona got it out at the twenty. Right. I think Arizona deserves some credit too. That's a better football team than mm-hmm. Mississippi State played a year ago. I think they'll be a bowl team. They'll be they'll be a six win, possibly seven win team. They're, they're good enough. Delora's good enough. 
Jacob Cowling was really impressive. Good, really good football player. Their receivers Michael are Wiley good. was a pretty good player. Um, mm-hmm. McMillan had a huge game. Good grief. He had eight catches for 161 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, just really. I said their skill position guys are good. They just didn't have what it takes on on the two lines of scrimmage. But when they get in the Pac-12 play, that 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 takes care of itself. But they kind of did, didn't they? I mean, they forced well, that, overtime no, because, in this game because they started loading the box with seven eight guys, and State didn't adjust to it when when they were playing their base okay, defense. So now, let, now that them. there's the question: Why did Mississippi State not adjust? This is, that's the question I can't answer. Is it because I, I don't know what I don't know what Barbe's thinking there. Is it a why don't they or is it a can't they? And we're going to find out. No, you I, can't answer gonna, that question. But no. Will Rogers, Arid's a different offense. It, it was predicated on short passes. But testing teams vertically is not something that he did against the better teams that they played. And, and now there's going to be somebody out there that'll pull up cumulative stats where you've got FCS teams in it and stuff like that, and that's great. But Everybody has eyes and saw what we all saw. If a team's going to stack the box and stop the run, how do you get them to stop doing that? You you beat yeah. them vertically. Are they? That's what got this offense was promised to, to be. That's that's the thing that bothers me is that you know all we, you know and I, I went to practices. I saw what they were doing. They were throwing the ball down the field. They were they were using a lot of motion, a lot of deception. They're not doing that. It was it was I mean it was beyond vanilla. It wasn't vanilla ice cream. It was just white ice cream. There was no flavor to it whatsoever. It was not acceptable. You can't promise one thing and then deliver another like that. So Barbe, he, he's he's got a lot to answer for after this game. You know, I'm, I'm interested to see what he says tonight after practice. Yeah. What did you learn about Ole Miss on Saturday that you carry forward into Georgia Tech this weekend? Into Alabama the next weekend, into LSU the weekend after that, and Arkansas the weekend after that. So, so what have we learned? Right, not what questions arose from the game, but what did we learn about the game itself? What do we know? What do we know about Mississippi State? What do we know about Ole Miss after two weeks? We know that Ole Miss has improved at quarterback, and again, I know it's it's just two weeks. It's Tulane. It's Mercer. I get it. I think Jackson Dart was exactly right when he said last year's team doesn't win that game because I think last year's quarterback doesn't win that game. He was under duress for what felt like every single snap. And other guys get rattled in those spots. And uh, despite taking hit after hit and dealing with rusher after rusher in a close game that probably shouldn't have been but was anyway, he put that offense on his back and carried him in the second half. I think that you know what you have at quarterback. Let me phrase it this way. We don't yet know what his ceiling is. But I think it's pretty clear he's elevated his floor. Yeah. He had, he had one massive passing game a year ago. And it was against Vanderbilt, right? Didn't he go for like 400 yards against Vanderbilt? Mm-hmm. You, you've seen back-to-back games where he's been, what, in the 270 range? He was over 300 against Mercer in the opener and 270 this week against against Tulane. Um, that, my my question. What do we know? We know Ole Miss's offensive line's got to be better than it was. If, if Ole yeah. Miss is going to run the ball, 
and we know that Ole Miss has got to figure out a way to punish defenses who stack the box to stop the run. Because I, I don't think this Ole Miss team is a one-trick pony, right? I don't think they are a football team that's like, well, they can run the ball, but they can't throw it. I think you got a quarterback that can throw it. And you've got some, some receivers that can go get it as well. You're going to have to take advantage of what the defense gives, and if the defense says, we're selling out to stop the run, you say, okay, we're fine with that. And a question that I've got, did something change with Michael Trigg? Did something change with Michael Trigg on Saturday? Did you finally get the spark to get him fully engaged so that he can potentially capitalize on the talent that is there? Because that could be a game changer, not to mention getting Caden Prescorn back. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. It's big. Brace yourself. Sports Talk Mississippi. Covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices on Super Talk Mississippi. Gathered in their masses, just like witches at black masses. We're supposed to have Monday night football tonight with the Jets and Buffalo kickoff scheduled for 7:15 on ABC and ESPN, but they have cleared the field of all players and personnel because of weather issues in and around MetLife Stadium. So. We will, uh, oh, there's we'll a rainbow see. over MetLife, though. Looks like they might oh. be playing tonight. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I wasn't suggesting that they weren't playing tonight, just maybe that they weren't going to be able to kick at, uh, at 7.15, as was uh, originally scheduled. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. You can find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Visit Oxford helps you keep up with everything that's happening in and around Oxford into the busiest time of year. Uh, be sure to check out the available double-decker bus tours on Friday afternoons of football home games and so much more. Websites, visit OxfordMS.com. You can follow them on all of their social media channels as well. That's uh, visit OxfordMS on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Also, if you are in the market for a new Ford vehicle, especially a Ford F-150, Belk Ford in Oxford is the place to go. They've got savings of up to $9,000 right now. $9,000 off of a brand spanking new Ford F-150 that is on the lot. Uh, of course, um, financing contingent, and you, you pick the model contingent, but they'll take care of you with whatever vehicle it is you're looking for. Family company, been a Ford dealership in Oxford since 1961, and they're going to treat you like family. New and improved service department, bigger, uh, available. They can take care of whatever issues you've got. They want to service your vehicle after the sale as well. Big selection of used cars available. And if it's not a Ford vehicle, if it's maybe a Toyota, whether it's the, the Tundra or the Sequoia, which is fantastic, 
uh, the Forerunner, the Camry. They've got you covered at Oxford Toyota right there in the exact same place on Highway 6 West in Oxford. You can find them online at BelkFord.net or OxfordToyota.com. Uh, if you are looking for a new vehicle, check them out at Belk Ford or Oxford Toyota and tell them you heard about them on Sports Talk Mississippi. Glad to be with you. Ceasefire text line is open for these last couple of minutes, 601-879-4395. We will tomorrow begin to turn the page to the games that are coming up this week for Mississippi State. It's the SEC opener with LSU coming to town, an 11 a.m. kickoff for that game, almost the night game at home at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium on Saturday night against uh, against Georgia Tech. Just a quick thought on what you expect Saturday to look like, hey, Dan, for Mississippi State when they host LSU. If I get the same offensive game plan I got this past Saturday, I expect it to look like a rout. Mm. I expect LSU to win and win easily. Um, if I see a better and more appropriate offensive game plan, it could be a, a, a good football game. I still think LSU wins either way. But if they do, if they try to run what they did on Saturday back, it's going to be a long, long day in Starkville. Borky, last year in Atlanta, Ole Miss beat the poo-poo out of Georgia Tech. Yeah. It was not close. Georgia Tech has since made a coaching change. Could have, maybe should have beaten Louisville in the uh, season opener. Gave that game away in the second half. Got a big win against whoever they played this past week. Uh, South Carolina State, I believe. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, that's I expect you to see Ole Miss run the football. And uh, they're going to adjust somehow, uh, whether it be uh, things more on the edges because the interior got blown up so much or, like I said earlier, like quick passing game or whatever to get out of the eight, nine, ten-man boxes sometimes. Uh, but I do expect a, he- a healthy dose of, of Judkins and Bentley in this game. Georgia Tech gave up, what was it, 270 rushing yards to Louisville, and then even South Carolina State averaged like five per carry in their game. So it would be a very nice get-right night uh, for the Ole Miss rushing attack because I think the opponent quality drops off some from the one that they just saw, at least in the defensive front. And they kind of need it uh, going into the Alabama game. Also, weather's going to be immaculate. And you might yeah, even have this weekend. might even have a sold out crowd. It's trending in that direction, so could be a cool environment for what Vegas thinks is going to be a sleepy game. Ole Miss like a three touchdown favorite. Is that right? Yeah, it, it dropped down below twenty one, so you can get like high teens in places if you want it. Somebody says on the C Spire text line, I don't think you're seeing the whole package from Ole Miss or Mississippi State right now. Maybe. But but I would say only in the sense that, that teams game plan for each game and they add some things and they take some things out. It's not like Mississippi State was intentionally hiding half of their available offense against Arizona. They went into that Arizona game with a plan and had packages put in for that game. Mike Wright was curious, though, the, the lack of use of Mike Wright in that game against uh, against Arizona. So we'll, uh, we'll see where that all goes. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. Look forward to being with you tomorrow. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Good night. Oh, it's incredible! 
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.